welcome to Around the Console. I'm Bob. And joining me on this one are Cliff, John and Sucky. Craig unfortunately got involved in a sexual accident with a horse, uh, so he's unable to join us this time. Uh, we are reviewing uh, the next part in the Time Lord Victorious saga that we are on, the Big Finish audio, He Kills Me, He Kills Me Not, starring Paul McGann as the Doctor. Um, I, I, I Right, straight away I'm going to get this out because I repeat myself all the time with Big Finish stuff. I struggled to follow it the first time, uh, but I have gone back and listened to it and listened to it and listened to it, and I do get it and I do like it, and I love Paul McCann, uh, love the production, etc. Um, and, and particularly because it was recorded uh, individually, so it was COVID. Uh, everyone got sent home, so they weren't able to, um, to, to act together. They had to just record their bits at home under the direction of Scott Hancock, who has appeared on Prog 2 before. I did an interview with him a good while ago, and I'd be interested to hear from him again. Name drop! Yeah, name drop indeed. Uh, <laughs> so I'd be interested to hear, hear from him, him again in regards to the Time Law Victoria stuff. But overall, I enjoyed it, and I always enjoy Paul McGann, but I particularly enjoyed Brian the Ood Assassin. I find that always quite spooky and scary. But I think, yeah, now I've got my head into it. Simple sort of space western kind of thing with a twist. Uh, yeah, just, I, I, yeah, bit of a thumbs up from me. It didn't blow my mind. It didn't make me go, oh, wow, this is the best thing I've read. But good standard. Uh, big finish story uh, with obviously the, the, bit, the bit at the end which is the tie into the Time Lord Victorious saga which was the Dalek appearing capturing Paul McGann which was a from I believe Defender of the Daleks wasn't it the end of that comic book um, I reckon so yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. so that, that's, that's the tie in Time Lord Victorious but I'll come on to you lads Sucky what did you think of uh, this big finish audio I enjoyed it up to a point where the the American accent suddenly popped in and that took me out a, a lot and then it, it put me off a bit and I thought then when I re-listened to it again um, it was it was good it was a really solid good story and I did enjoy it it was, a, it was like a western setting as some sort of uh, deserted town in the middle of nowhere and I did enjoy it the mystery of Brian not Brian the um, mystery of why the planet has changed that I think is also maybe tied in with Time Lord Victoria's law so that might be uh, something that we might come across again later talk about that Sookie, the mystery of the planet changing I don't know if yeah. I, I I got the, the plot thread of um, there's not been a crime and they're sort of oblivious to crime because I don't want crime to be happening because it's been 2000 Odd days since there that, was that 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 was the the, the that plot thread is because the the doctor there uh, he had two patients one was a villain one was the uh, the deputy and he decided to operate on the villain which uh, unfortunately the deputy then died because there was a, he was neglected that's why that's there because he doesn't want to have that sort of thing with the sheriff saying this is what so that's why again. there's been no death right. well, yeah, the yeah. fact that the planet was supposed to be a planet with vegetation and a big massive uh, green planet and now it's some sort of arid like desert western town like right and that's changed since the doctor last visited right he says it should oh, be oh sorry like this. yeah I see what you mean right so you think that yeah. could be potentially part of the yeah the tap, but yeah I think it's got future ones yeah, yeah so, I mean, that's like, why I got as well that's why I got, got as well. well I thought the the big mystery with the planet isn't what the Doctor thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it turned into Westworld or something like that. I don't know what. Uh, Westworld, yeah, vibe. I like that. So you like it, it Sucky? Yes, I liked it. Yeah. John, After John. second listen. Yeah, um, I listened to it once, um, literally a few hours ago. Um, and 
I'm a bit confused as to why the doctor didn't recognize the Ood for what it was when he landed. And he was kind of, it was the impression I got from just listening to the audio because I'm not still, I'm not idea who Brian the Assassin is. But uh, the impression I got was that um, it was a, just a normal person with a weird voice. Mm. But it's only a while later I figured out who is the tentacle because somebody mentions tentacle face. So, uh, like all audio, if you're not giving it 100% attention, you do kind of maybe lose. And if the voices aren't different enough, that tends to be a problem. Yeah. Um, uh, Felicity and Sophie in particular was the issue for me. They're turning into a Western bit. Mm. No, the accents and the things (laughs) they were saying which is too fucking folksy American yeehaw bullshit. I didn't like that. However, I did overall enjoy it. Excellent. Cliff? Um, I thought it was a little too long uh, for an audio book. It was only about I, I liked, 50 minutes, I, wasn't it? Yeah. 45 minutes, was it? Yeah. 45 minutes. Uh, yeah, it was about 40 well, odd I think it just. I think it just. There's a few bits I just thought was either wasn't written very, very well, or I just wasn't getting it. Um, so Brian, I thought was great, and I knew what the ood was. Couldn't understand why Sophie or the other girl just didn't turn around to the doctor and tell us, tell him straight away, and say this this ood guy's a proper nutter. Um, they seem to be. I don't like it when they're doing all the slack jaw accents because I just felt that was a bit silly and some of the times you could actually hear it break at uh, the points I um, I understand from read, reading a little bit on the internet yeah they did it at lockdown but we do post- podcasts in lockdown we do it <laughs> we all the time high quality podcasts in lockdown boom yeah <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> so we can do that I did, I did enjoy it though I, I love uh, McGann as the doctor I, my biggest mystery was the actual planet and I love how it connects to the next one. I think the next two will connect to this. He's supposed to give us a better understanding of Brian and his past, uh, hopefully something like that. Every time but, you say the word Brian, I'm thinking life of Brian. Every yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking Brian Murphy from Georgia. Well, and, and I did... I did like the fact that they added um, a same-sex uh, couple, which I thought... Yeah, that's nice. Good. I did like that. That's yeah. good. Nice nice touch. I mean, I mean Brian, uh, what I did love was... Uh, there was a tiny bit of exposition, Cliff, to your question, uh, in regard to why didn't we didn't say whatever to Brian, when Brian explained that his ball... I love this ball gag as well. This, Mr. This, ball. Yeah. Mr. Ball, yeah. that was cool. Uh, the, it was a thought. It was as quick as a thought, which is quicker than a gun. That That's why why she couldn't speak or do anything because he would just do that uh, and there's something oh, right. so eerie yeah. with it being an ood called Brian uh, and it kind of been a little bit funny but you do believe that he will kill uh, you know at, at a moment's thought kind of thing it's he has a couple spooky. of really he has a couple of really interesting lines that do underline his chillingness like yeah. it's right and when she says, how would it look like if you leave a trail of bodies behind you? And he replies, sometimes they make very pretty patterns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a great line. But I think, I think I, I, one of the underlying mysteries for me is 2023 days since last death. And it was related to Craddock and that deputy. But the 2023 days is going to have significance because it was mentioned twice. Mm. At least twice. Oh, and I'm thinking that it felt like that perhaps like because the doctor's going there expecting one sort of planet and finding another. Uh, it might be some sort of reality bubble kind of thing. I don't know. It might be 
timey wimey. It might well yeah. be timey wimey. It could be because we've done that with um, with one of the other ones where we've like seen a planet at its primeval stage and we've seen it in its oh, advanced yeah, stage. That was it. Yeah. it could be another one of those. Oh, that'd be clever. Because there's there's some exposition coming up, I think, in the books, which are in the next section of the Time Lord Victoria saga. What are you huffing at books for, John? I thought you liked I'm books. Not books. I do like books, but I have to read them. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do have to read them. I just I like the touch the touch of a book. That's all I like. Touch of a book. <laughs> don't want to read it. Just like a touch what, of a what, book. What braille? I'll audio book it. I'll audio braille. book it happily. Didn't know you can yeah, read yeah. braille. Okay, that's brilliant. Uh, I tell you, the, the actor behind Brian was superb. He was probably stand out as the one of the best in it. He's, I love how how subtle he was. He was slimy in parts. He was manipulative. He was really well written that character I just think the people who played Sophie and Felicity like John said they, they, they didn't distinguish them enough so to me even though there was that threat of Brian I sided with Brian because <laughs> I thought <laughs> I just kind of enjoyed his character I'd like to see how far that you could take that one he did he did yeah. also say to Brian bounty hunters can make excellent wall hangings yes the <laughs> <laughs> fine line it's a good line not the, guy, with that. the guy that played Brian, he's the, the guy that does the Ood, isn't he? Uh, the, yes. The evil Ood yeah, in Satan's uh, yeah. Pit and Planet... Uh, yeah. I, I love them. I love that. I love evil Ood. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I... It's when we first get introduced to them there, isn't it? Is it on oh, no, the Satan's Pit? Satan's Pit, yeah. Satan's Pit, yeah. Impossible, impossible Planet, isn't it? I can't remember. We, uh, we also get a cantina reference. The bar is a cantina, which is a kind of like Star. Latin American kind of bar. Star Wars, yeah, uh, in, I got Star Wars vibe. In a place, in a place they call Muslin. It's very much like Mos Eisley to me. Yeah, Star Wars vibe completely. I got on that as well. Yeah, I'm not sure that I like it because of that. Because I think that was trying, trying to. I, hard, I missed this off, maybe. I don't know. I think I think they could have done without the Western. Uh, yep. You know, could have done it in a different. It world. just didn't feel. I don't know what they're trying why, to get with it. Why do a Western on a different planet? The the, the tropes that make a Western are all particular to America in, in the twentieth, yeah. the nineteenth century. Doesn't make any sense to do it on a different. No, planet. I don't understand having a, a, the the theme of Western if he'd maybe journey back into well, the accents. England or something the accents. Like that, why but... do the accents? No, the, yeah, this, just over the top. Yeah, it's the accent that really put me off, as I says. If it had been just as a Western theme, but without the accents, right, it'd have been well, fine. This, but because well, it think, was a Western think, theme on an alien planet with accents, it just... I think with audio... Plenty of... Sorry. So I just think with audio, they sometimes need to want to, or want to ram it home. Uh, and it was probably for that comedic, little bit of a comedic effect and all that kind of stuff. And... They maybe like to ham it up a bit. I know, I know what you mean. I think, I think on first listen, I would definitely agree with you. After but subsequent listens, I, I, I grew, grew with it, and it was, it was all right. Sorry, Cliff. No, I was going to say, um, West, uh, West Space Western has been done really well in other films. Like, the way they've done it is like a Western set in space. But I don't think they need to go that far and go and be all the slapjaw and, you know, typical is walking into the uh, into the bar and all this stuff. Just, you can't picture it correctly in your head as you're listening to it. I'm just thinking it doesn't work well to me. There's no need for that. It was, it was a well-written story, but you didn't need that element into it and it I've, would have worked for me better. I have a couple of questions. Um, Brian, going into the void, um, into the 
whatever it's space that it is that the, I don't know what it is he goes into this void he seemingly goes intentionally at the behest of Mr. Ball when he let go of the target of uh, the TARDIS and disappears off oh when the doctor's trying to save him save him as well yeah he deliberately it's like he deliberately lets go yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. he refuses to be saved and Mr. Ball that made him do it now the problem with the Ball thing is like I was thinking I know who do that illithid mind flayer things from D&D but I'm thinking that they're also like I forgot about the ball thing yeah when I watched New Who yeah. and Mr. Ball was like is he like a split personality inside of him what's going on here that's how I read it was a bit like um, a lot I don't know if you've seen, you guys have seen Batman the animated series but you've got Scarface who is a puppet um, and the puppet's doing all the bad stuff and the, 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 the guy that holds the puppet is very uh, timid accountant kind of thing and when he's released from the puppet he's just this but obviously it's it's you kind of don't know who it is Scarface or the or the guy that's holding him uh, and that's sort of how I got the Mr. Ball being what? his sort of ex I'm oh, sorry, but could somebody explain? Because it's been a while since I watched the Ud episodes on television, right? So, what's the significance of the ball? Well, the ball is their brains, isn't it? It's so that's the brain. It's, it's right, the so symbol it's, of their brains on display, like out of the the shell, which which shows course, the Ud, yes, yes, whatever you know, like that. That trust. Why? Why are the two separate characters? Why is the one that refers to the ball in the third person, and why does it refer to it? Like Mr. Ball is taking over, or so is the Ood, it must be its own entity as well as the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the ball, it's the well, the ball is the whole, the ball is the brain, <laughs> um, and it's all part of the same Ood. But he's obviously got issues upstairs, hasn't he? Do you think he has I issues? I reckon that's it. Yeah. Or do you think that it's like we misread what the ball was? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe. Is, there, is, there so, is the actual ball containing some, somebody else's personality in there? Somebody else's brain? Hmm. I think you couldn't come like at this story without having to have a little more knowledge of what the ood is. If you came at it, you'd be instantly thinking, what's going on about with the ball? What's, what's this? You know, what I mean? you, you need the bit more background story of yeah. who, who or what the Ood is. You'd never seen anything about the Ood. You'd be thinking, "What's he going on about? Is he talking to a friend? Is he talking there is to himself?" One reference to ten- one reference to tentacles. That's it. It's just too much assumptions that you should already know who this is. So it's not easy listening for someone just coming at you for the I first think, time. I think the likelihood of um, anyone listening to this is they're a staunch kind of staunch Doctor Who fan, unless you've been made to listen to it to review on a podcast. <laughs> John, <laughs> one thing one thing I, I did like was the it was the premise that there is a culture of genetically uh, enhanced children. Yes, yeah. uh, and the idea that a father can genetically design a child to be the perfect child, and mm. when that child isn't designing it to love him back, is nuts. And the and the idea that um, he's done that, and yet she's still gone away. It's like almost. I as like if, that. Almost as if it's not a learned thing; it's a natural innate thing to be yeah, gay. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, good way of doing that to show that. Do you know what he, that reminds me? She's been designed to the, to the nth degree to be what her father wants, and yet still, 
runs away. Yeah, nature she takes over. Yeah. That, yeah. that reminded me of, again, uh, if you've listened to the previous episode of Proctor Who, uh, The Expanse, Julie Mao, um, who is basically, I know she's not designed by her father, but she is put on a pedestal by her father and then obviously runs away and joins the OPA. It reminded me a little bit of that. Uh, yes, another Expanse reference in Proctor Who, everyone. I might be reading Leviathan Awakes. Don't know if I am. I definitely am. Sucky. I've read, I've read all it. I've read all the books that are out, and yeah, brilliant. I can brilliant. understand why you're doing that. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. The, what uh, I'm it's thinking of, because John earlier on said that he uh, couldn't distinguish, and I think Cliff as well couldn't distinguish between the two girls. Right, I'm wondering <laughs> if that's usually your job on Check This Out. Yeah, yeah, generic class lady number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, let me explain. Right, but do you think because of all this genetically? enhanced technology that they're doing to get uh, to create these children maybe both of them have come from the same sort of stock and that's why they sound similar no I just think they did pick the two right I thought they they had two people with like bog standard BBC accents yeah. yeah, they could have just picked some from north, some from south. Yeah, would have would have worked it out. Would have solved it. Honestly, that would have solved it. It would have yeah. so- solved, solved it. Solved it. There's a lot of parts in it when, like, it, the thing is with an audio book, you've got to invest your time into it. And a lot of people can say, "Oh, can I can do my work and do that." Well, you can't really sometimes because if it's you a can. detailed story, you've got to try and listen to it. So it's either sat, sat in a bog, or if you if you're lucky to fit in a bath, which I don't, so to listen to it. <laughs> so I'm sat there last night listening to it in bed and I was listening to it and I was listening to it and honest to God there's parts in it where I'm thinking is that that Stacy or is that that other one is that that or is that the there's other there's no one? Stacey in it so, I mean, <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> See, I was well <laughs> <laughs> what was I listening I think, to is it F- 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 Sophie Felicity and Sophie yeah that was it yeah so. Flick and Sophie but I think yeah. I think um, but I think there's no scissor system moments either well, t- well I was going to that's quite apt from what I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> was in the one with Stacey yeah I was I was, yeah, was I was, I was loving the same sex couple thing I thought that was played very well uh, as well and written very well um, it was, they were kind of basically runaways and it got that you know bit why you know one, why Sophie was looking for Felicity or whichever way around it was um, you know because obviously it's her wife or you know person, person that she loves that's been um, you know gone away or whatever um, yeah just I just thought that was a it was yeah it was cool man I enjoyed this one I did enjoy it and well I ended up enjoying this one once I got made around it I mean I have to say that I didn't enjoy it as much as I perhaps should have done but what I do enjoy about it is the questions it leaves me about the whole arc yeah. Uh, yeah and where where it fits in this uh, story that we're following the time of Victoria stuff yeah it, and, and when the Dalek it. appeared at the end that was when cool. he landed somewhere I was like oh fuck the fucking Dalek and I'm typing yeah. Dalek in massive letters and <laughs> it was cool though because yeah, because uh, we are all looking for where bits fit in and that definitely fits in at the end of the comic book Defender the Daleks where why is Pomegan there well why is he there again and this is coming yeah. together into something now I think once you fit everything in it might be one of those Eureka moments where when we find out what Aretha 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 Athana Athana is we might just go oh my god that makes sense mm. oh I like it again I'll listen to it again to what, fully the, the, understand the it planet. it is that the planet Athana 
Yeah, because yeah. I think that's the yeah. biggest story part. The dark that, at the end that is, is the, the other one. That time, the, the time of Victorious is going to, that's going to be a part yeah, of that. That's going to be a big expanse thing. Athana is a water planet, and the doctor went there to see a mighty statue, one of the wonders of the universe. And when he arrives, Athana has become a barren desert planet. Do you know what? He's reading off the fucking. I'm reading off the wiki, I am. You can see. Yeah. Well, I missed. But he also mentions the moons that there's a sun or a moon which is different. Yeah. Which is which again is Moss Eisley. Um, yeah, that's uh, Tina and Tatarina and all that bullshit. I missed that bit. I thought the Doctor had just landed on the wrong planet again. I didn't. I didn't realise that. I, I forgot. I didn't. Sorry, I, I did. Well, well this that. is what I mean. He also refers to the next planet up, which he misnames. Yeah. So, something is thinking that something is switched. He's gone mm. to an, an alternate. Yeah, parallel universe. Or he's gone back to a, a serious time in history for both of them. Because Wild West, you could see... Or well into the future, like a Mars... But the thing is, though, that if you've got the technology to be able to genetically uh, choose your offspring, how does that technology fit into the technology we see? Well, we do see robots and stuff, but... Mm. It's in a Wild West with corrugated iron. That's the bit that breaks it a little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think with... uh, what Do you know what I do like now... Um, I've got it in my head is the fact that uh, Brian has his own brain in his head and he has someone else's brain as the ball but it's, do all the Ood have that well, all the time this is the thing yeah it's, it's, Whether, it's, is, is it one of these it. is it one of these situations where the ball subsumes the intellect of the of the Ood and so it's dominant maybe this is a situation where it's not being able to do that fully I do love that idea if it is I do maybe it's idea. something as far as they can swap it over maybe it's been surgically changed or <laughs> words of gummy chest that's, that's what brings you know swap ahead over just to perform a, <laughs> yeah. never know no I do like Even that a niche I do. 80s reference no. I do like that it's well, a doctor reference I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna yeah. go we're gonna hand over down under uh, to our sa- satellite office in, in, in Australia <laughs> can't have a shrimp and a bad apologies boy. for these terrible Australian accents we're gonna it's hand over not to, me Dwayne or Philip I have not said a word to the delightful just by the way by the way, uh, no, no, you can go to it if you want. I'm just going to say something about Dwayne's podcast. Yeah, we'll when give that did, a shout out. A podcast review, and it was fucking ace. I loved yeah. it. I, was I found out about loads of podcasts. <laughs> yeah. The one with Sar- Dan Hadley on it. Sarah's, yeah, Sarah's yeah, Radio's recent podcast, they have gone through loads of podcast recommendations and their views. Really good. Yes. Really, really good. Um, yeah. I was yeah. listening. Yeah. nice words as well. And they said nice yeah. things about us, which was lovely. But um, great lads. I love, I love listening to the pair of them. They, they, yeah. they were well thrown to, like well thrown together, uh, at Dwayne and Philip from the Sirens of Audio podcast, but definitely and they're proper listen. good at and they're proper good at podcasting. Proper That's the annoying thing. Because yeah. in fact, just like come, it's like he's come to it quite late, as he said. But like Dwayne's a natural. He's, yeah. he's, that's why yeah. and there's some awesome guests on. on there as well and we there's some really interesting yeah. guests on all, because he's that good yeah, yeah. all big, big finished yeah all big finished big anyway yeah. roll fucking tape Bob roll tape <laughs> anyway we're going to have another down under to Dwayne and Philip from the Sirens Radio Podcast okay thanks Bob here we are thanks for inviting us back it's great to be able to talk about the things that we love Philip um, and that is audio through Time Lord Victorious this time we're going to be talking about Time Lord Victorious, He Kills Me, He Kills Me Not by Carrie Thompson. What were your initial thoughts, Philip? Well, I um, I loved it in terms of a lot of the ideas. And there's, there's, bits, there's bits in terms of it. It's not a huge, complex story. It's certainly nothing uh, epic or monumental. 
but in terms of it's a it's a amusing western it's got some interesting characters and i just love brian the oud so i think if anything <laughs> the thing that made this for me was um having brian the oud appear he's amusing the way he talks to mr ball the way he threatens people he was just an interesting character interesting baddie and here hearing silas oh i forgot his name the actor Carson Silas Carson Silas Carson thank you even Silas Carson was just great it was interesting going back and listening to this for uh, a, a, I listened to it another couple of times actually because uh, there were bits of this story You got it's one of those ones where you got to focus on completely all the way through otherwise you miss little bits it's all explained but you got to be careful that you don't let your mind wander too much um, I when I listened to this for the first time I was very excited I, I it was the first full story that was released on audio in the Time Lord Victorious uh, series. Last month we reviewed uh, Echoes of Extinction. Uh, so by that stage we'd heard all the Time Lord Victorious audios, but this was the first full cast one with, with the Eighth Doctor, uh, written by Carrie Thompson. So uh, she hasn't written too much for Big Finish, but what she had written I had listened to just before hearing this so she'd written a short trip called The Second Oldest Question which was a Fifth Doctor Nyssa story so read by Sarah Sutton I don't know if you remember it Philip do you remember that The Second Oldest Question I do remember it and uh, I actually looked up again today when we just to have a quick listen to the beginning of it because I was curious as to how we little to her style yeah so uh, anyone who likes this particular story uh, by Carrie Thompson. Go and check out the short trip, uh, the second oldest question. It is a really, really quirky story and written in such a different style that I was very excited about this one. But you're right, this one is more of a, it's more of a straight down the line, uh, run of the mill. It's not run of the mill. It's a, it's a basic story. It's not overly complex. Um, it, it was very engaging. The, the links to Time Lord Victorious on second listen have become more apparent to me. So the Doctor, there's a, a big Time Lord Victorious sort of uh, plot point in here where the planet he's arrived on is supposed, is supposed to be this ocean world, uh, but it's not. So something is going on with time. Some timeline has jumped and the doctor is is saying something's not right here because this planet is not how I remember it. So uh, I thought that was that was very interesting. Uh, he's he's still searching for those seven hundred uh, wonders of the world and uh, and wondering why the one he's seeking is not here, which is a throwback to Echoes of Extinction Two, the last audio uh, chronologically in the Time Lord Victorious uh, series. I did note at the time that the Eighth Doctor was sounding tired. I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a, uh, done on purpose by Paul McGann and the production team because it's sort of towards the end of perhaps the Eighth Doctor's life. He's sort of trying to run away from the time war and he's in that particular period. So he's been around for a, for a while and he's sounding very tired. Um, what did you, did you feel that too, Philip? Or It was a bit hard to know. I mean, they, they, they use the time war theme, so it's telling us it is towards the very end of... Paul McGann's yes. stint, so they, they, they which st I don't like, by the way. You don't like the, you don't like the theme. N no, no, I, I just can't. I can't sort of gel with any Eighth Doctor theme other than the David Arnold theme. It's just not right to me. Oh, so I really enjoy it. I love all the clean metal and the Bane's bits and pieces and the percussion. And oh, that's it's used I for the War Doctor, and it's used for. I think it's used for one of the Seventh Doctor uh, novels as well. Oh, the War Master. I think it was used for. 
Is he used for the Warmaster as well, or does he have a different theme? No, he's got a different theme. Different theme. So but I think it's, it's used similar. for at least two Doctors, if not three. So, uh, yeah, it's not it's not specific to the Eighth Doctor. It, I mean, it's good, but it, to me, it just doesn't gel with uh, the Eighth Doctor. Okay. Well, I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's interesting. You skip them. You skip them. Yeah, I do. No, this is, is I stopped <laughs> listening to it today, so there you go. Because it actually kept me listening rather than skipping it today. Um, I, I think I do think it's, I do enjoy the storyline. I think I do like the idea of it being a western. is amusing, um, and so I think it does capture a lot of those ideas, those early western ideas, which I think are great. I do think you know, there's a typical range of characters. It's almost it's almost like the gunfighters, and there's lots of bits that. So in my head, I'm picturing the gunfighter set. I'm picturing the the um, the, the canteen and the doctor's surgery. They, mm. they use the same locations as they use mm. for the gunfighters. I don't know how deliberate that is. Uh, I, and- I uh, must admit, I did think uh, along those exact same lines too. Although it's not as funny as the gunfighters, uh, I did think the same. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I think it's a little bit to that. I think Scott's done a marvelous job. It's one of the first things they actually did in lockdown. And so, in mm. terms of being able to pull a cast, it's a very young cast, and most of the cast haven't appeared in anything else. And it's, it's just that the, the authors have only done one other piece for Big Finish. I think, do think the Time Lord Victoria's set has been a good opportunity for Big Finish to test out new writers and to feel safe in doing that in terms of, yeah, the old Big Finish stalwarts aren't going to care too much in terms of this range necessarily. So, a lot of the writers are, are trying out new things. So, I think that works well in terms of this story and try a new writer so yeah I think there's, there's some good, great stuff in it as I said I do like a country a, you know a western uh, and this, this does that well and what did you think of Brian as uh, as a character Brian the Ood when when I first heard the name uh, before this was released I knew this character was coming and it sounds absolutely ridiculous. It sounds like it can't possibly work. But my feeling at the time was, no, this is big finish. They have done, they have got a good track record of, of seemingly crazy things being put forward to us to consume, but they usually end up doing a fantastic job. And I think this was a typical example of that, something that you don't think could possibly work. And this was absolutely perfect. The dialogue that Brian the Ood was uh, was given was uh, sensational. Uh, it was funny. He was terrifying. Uh, you felt a bit sorry for him at times. It it was just a great character, and it's it's probably what got me interested to expand in uh, in the Time Lord Victorious universe. And I started looking forward to the the books that were coming out uh, to find out a lot more about Brian. Yeah, I agree. I think Brian is probably the standout thing that makes the whole thing work. I'm, I'm not sure it would work the same way without him and, he, and the, his humour and the way he's written. Uh, just going back to the thing that you were saying before too, it's, just, it's making me think in terms of the whole Time Lord Victoria series. One of the things I thought listening through it in terms of actually things that weren't answered and it's interesting having now listened to everything and read a number of the books so I dipped into quite a bit more of the Time Lord Victoria than I meant to. I'm actually feeling like it's actually not gelling together to me as well as I thought it would do. So having done, you know, we, we talked about the first story, the Echoes of Extinction. Um, so we've, you know, I've done, I'm trying to think what else has come between now and then. But certainly as I look at the whole package, I'm not seeing all the links that clearly. And having now listened to everything, read the books, I thought the second time going through, I'd see the links a bit more clearly than I am. I, I, I know that they wanted things to be standalone-ish, but it's obviously pointing for things, but I'm not sure everything always picks up properly. I, 
I get exactly what you're saying. I was thinking, I was thinking the same thing. I'm picking up on the, on the the big arc inferences, but how they all fit together, I'm also finding myself thinking, mm, maybe I should go back and read the books again. Um, maybe I should uh, watch the Daleks animation again, uh, and because obviously this one ends on a cliffhanger and goes, I, I think it goes directly into the next one, it does. which is the enemy of my enemy. So, uh, and it was the enemy of my enemy, the one straight after this that uh, really brought home those Dalek characters that we first saw in the Dalek animation. So, um, yeah, you, you make a very good point there. Um, it's it's uh, it's got the Time Lord Victorious banner on it, but yeah, it's still having heard everything that I have. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Mm. Now that I think of it too. So, what about some of the themes? Is there anything that stood out for you that you weren't so impressed with, Dwayne? Well, you know there was Philip because I've, <laughs> I've spoken to you about it. Oh, I was, um, just, I was leading into casually, so no one would notice the fact that we may have talked about it first. <laughs> look, there it's. <sighs> People people say that Doctor Who has always addressed political issues, but I think we're in a period in history where individuals like never before have been so engaged politically because we get that instantaneous um, engagement through social media and we can react straight away. Like, you know, for instance, when the Green Death was made back in 1973, um, yes, the, the oil crisis and climate change was a political issue, but the only way people could engage with it was by talking to their, their, their local member or by reading the newspaper and then talking to family. They couldn't actually get so involved and so hyped up about it. You know, they'd read the newspaper and then get on with the rest of their day. All right, so political issues, yes, they've always been there, but when they're put in Doctor Who today, they can be much more reactionary and I got one of those reactions in this um, in as much as uh, part of the plot of this story was that the girls were running away one of the girls in particular was running away from her father because uh, there wasn't too much said about this particular culture that she'd come from that the, the parents were creating these designer babies to basically be servants to them and the children were supposed to be servants to them and um, she was making comments throughout the play saying how um, her father just wanted to control her and it, it just reminds me of the of the of the noise that's being made uh, throughout a lot of social circles, political circles at the moment about patriarchy and how horrible it is and uh, how everyone's got to, you know, rebel against it. And uh, it's it's not a particular uh, viewpoint that I share. So it sort of got my back up a little bit and I didn't notice it the first time around, but I've been, uh, you know, I was a little bit more sensitive to it this time. So I didn't like that aspect about it, but when I was talking to you about it, Philip, you made a good point too that there's younger actors, younger writers coming in, I should say, with uh, less experience, and they've got these viewpoints and they want to express them, and they're they're possibly doing it in ways that aren't quite so subtle. Well, it certainly wasn't subtle to me anyway. That annoyed me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it is, well, the thing that struck me listening to it actually. Actually, did, it did actually strike me last time, and I thought maybe it's just, you know, I'm a grumpy old man with lots of kids, and uh, I hear my kids, <laughs> whinging, my kids whinging all the time about being controlled, and you know, that's not fair. Yeah. I, I, it is something yeah. that adolescents go through, and um, 
I've actually done marking for we, we, we have an exam in Sydney in New South Wales called the basic skills test where we test every child year five seven nine uh, three five seven and nine and they have to do a piece of writing and I actually have for a couple of years um, a few years back marked all this adolescent writing all this year nines writing and every second story had something about how awful parents were and how controlling they were and it, I just thought I'll just grow up and yeah, just, to, to me it was just adolescent writing and you know people grow out of it uh, you see a bit of it in you know, the Twilight series other things in terms of you know, which is for adolescents so I just just to me it was sort of thrown in there and I sort of thought oh, it's, it's, a, it's a writer who's young and one day she'll grow up and she'll appreciate her parents more we can only hope. We can only hope. <laughs> but that, but apart from that, that's the one thing that sort of niggled me a bit. But the story itself, um, really good to listen to. It's always good to hear Paul McGann as the Eighth Doctor, and uh, really looking forward to the next one uh, because it's it finished on a cliffhanger and went straight into it. I think these two, this one and the next one, were released within about a week of each other. So yeah, we virtually were. got them at the same time, or were they released on the same day? I think they were the, the, the same day. My memory. I was. think. I think. I, I think you might be right. But anyway. Yeah. So back to you, Bob. Yeah. Thanks, Bob, for having us again. Well, thank you very much, Dwayne and Philip, for your for your review. Uh, probably a sensible review, uh, as ours will. Oh, actually, to be fair, this I think this significantly uh, <laughs> less sweary than normal. Yeah, th- these, yeah, these, who's missing? Craig, you know what I mean? oh, yeah. <laughs> this is very well oh. behaved. Well, yeah, all I said is physicists yeah. once. That's it. Yeah, true. Yeah, is that Craig's difference? Not said cunt once either. So <laughs> yeah. good. No, no cunts, fuck shit, bastard. No, none of that shit. Yeah, but, nothing. Yeah, yeah, nothing. Shut over this. So, yeah, Sucky's been well behaved. as well. Usually you, Sucky. I've got a song to prove it, which we'll insert now. One. So. I'm just going to come around and get everyone's final thoughts on he kills me, kills me not. Sucky, I'll come to you first. Have you got any... But just to round us off with your thoughts on this. No, it's a very good story. I really enjoyed Paul McGann's performance in it. I did like the sheriff uh, and her interaction with the the doctor that was in the uh, in the uh, town. Uh, Brian, the ood is very, very menacing. And he's, mm. subtle, he's just evil by the looks of it, just pure evil. Um, but I, I want to. I just think this story is just a small, compact story with only a small little bit to the Time Lord Victorious saga, and I, I really, really did enjoy it. Good, there, John. Yeah, uh, I would echo much of that. I think uh, the bits like Brian the Ude fell into the void thing. He's not dead, so he's liable to turn up at some other point, I reckon. And I hope he does. I think the, I yeah, think, I think the, I think the story is, is a nice, well-compact one, as you said, but Paul McGann was great as well. Uh, and I think I got an idea of how his Doctor is and what he's like, and I like that. Mm. It, feels, it feels rounded. The Eighth Doctor is, every time I hear a bit extra, it's getting a little bit more yeah. rounded as a, as a thing. And, and the TV movie is one thing, but yeah. Uh, I think the the where it ties in with Time Lord Victorious is the best part of this for me, and I think going forward, finding out what this means is going to merit a re-listen. So yeah, I could I could see I could sorry well I could hear bits of the Time Lord Victoria saga coming together in this. Yeah, yeah there were yeah. only thirty seconds or whatever, but rather than the last maybe couple we've done. I didn't really hear them coming through, whereas this one I'm hearing it. It's uh, it's good because it's it's a it, this is quite an epic journey right. we're doing. So uh, cool. I mean, nice to be one. fair, they've been fairly consistent about it. They've been in every story for me. I've been especially after the first couple. 
all the time of Victorious have got like snippets in them that are starting to build into a bigger story and yeah. it's quite exciting definitely a bit sad it's nice that we can still put a bit of theory into this as well because we don't know what's happening uh, which yeah, is good exactly uh, Cliff yeah, I enjoy, I enjoyed it. it. It is with a few faults, but I'm th- I'm hoping that the more this puzzle of the time law victorious unravels, that I'll be willing to go back and appreciate and go, oh yeah, it was just me being a dick. But <laughs> Brian was superbly acted. It was it was a good write. I really like this Doctor. I could hear more of him. It's actually spurred me on to get some more Big Finish downloaded to listen to uh, Paul McGann as well. Paid for um, on the Big Finish website, bigfinish.com. Do you have to pay for it? <laughs> um, so on, a, on, the, uh, on this journey, what we have with Time Lord Victorious, I think that makes it more interesting. If it was a standalone story, I still would have enjoyed it, but not as much. It's the part that we're finding out those little nuggets as we're going through each one and we're trying to connect them. And that's what makes this you know separate bonus podcast fun as well because mm. each time we're finding new parts finding new people Brian's definitely got to come in it's a brilliant character character They're definitely, he's definitely in the future yeah. um, and hopefully more of his malice or maybe an explanation of it goes forward but loving it yeah. loving the journey as well no it's cool man it's cool it's cool to talk about it as well uh, well next up uh, we have another audio big finish it's called The Enemy of My Enemy it looks like a Paul McGann big finish um, so yeah another big finish so we'll be hearing from uh, Dwayne and Philip from the Sirens of Audio as well. So thank you for listening to Around the Console. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.